Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88000. As mentioned, we were just coming out of our, our week of prayer and fasting, and it was awesome. We had more people, uh, I think, engaged and even here at the church than we've ever had before in the mornings, praying together, seeking the Lord. Uh, but we actually created these as the church, these prayer guides, and uh, we, we did it for this week of prayer and fasting. But I'd encourage you, if you're in a season where you're like, man, I, I'm just going through something, I need some scripture that can apply specifically to this situation. In the back of this, there are scriptures that we found where we made them personal uh, for just different subjects. Hello. I don't know what, yes, Lord. Whatever you wanna do, I'm open to it. Uh, that you can pray through that will apply. So we've got a few of these left. If you wanna pick one of those up at the Welcome Center, uh, I'd encourage you to do that. There, I think it's one of the most practical, encouraging, and uh, good, best resources that we've created as a church. Uh, we are wrapping up Rooted this week, the Rooted series. I hope this has been good for you guys. Last week, we talked about bitter roots and dealing with bitter roots. And today, we're gonna talk about having better roots because we gotta have those too. We're gonna kick this off with one of Paul's prayers. It says this in Colossians 1.9. For this reason... Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. So when we talk about that, just a, a recap from something we talked about a couple of weeks ago. This is the picture of a fruitful life. And, and basically as believers, there is an expectation that God has for us that there is a fruit of our lips, that our words and our worship is glorifying and edifying, that there is a fruit of our life that is demonstrated through the fruit of the spirit. There's love, there's joy, there's peace, there's patience, there's kindness, but there's holiness involved in that. And then the fruit of our labor, like how we live, that the work of our hands and how we serve and how we give, that all those things are indicators of our roots in Christ Jesus, our roots in Christ Jesus. How do you deal with rotten things in your life? How do you deal with rotten things in your life? Uh, any of you that are raising kids, uh, you know that you're gonna deal with some rot. I'm not saying your kids are rotten, maybe. <laughs> But, but there, there has a tendency, kids have a tendency to uh, like stash food, different things like that, and you don't even know that they're doing that. If you ever had kids at one point or another, raising kids at one point or another, you had 40 to 50 sippy cups somewhere around your home, right? And, and you, anybody who's raised kids, you know how this goes, right? So you give that to a kid because they need it and you're trying to be a good parent. But here's the thing, at one point or another, you give a sippy cup to a kid in a car. And you think, that's great. But then that sippy cup vanishes. It falls into a void somewhere. There's, there's a black hole in vehicles where sippy cups go. Or at least that's what it seems like. But then eventually you slam on the brakes, 
you take a turn fast, and one of those sippy cups comes rolling out from underneath the abyss of your car. It's there, and you see it, and at that point, it looks like you either try to start your own cottage cheese company, or you're trying to discover a new white cloth flavor, okay? Because you put juice in there, or there was milk in there, and now it's, but here's the thing. If you're experienced, you're only gonna try opening that thing once. And you'll never do it again. After that, you just throw it away. You don't even question. You just pick it up. It's like, oh, trash. That's why you don't buy nice sippy cups because you're gonna go through a lot, right? Well, there are some nasty things in life. We can produce some rotten fruit if we're not careful. Uh, rotten fruit is like one of the nastiest things that can rot. I, I think about pumpkins especially. Rotten pumpkins are so gross, right? And I've had to deal with a lot of rotten pumpkins because if you're a dad, you know how this goes. Let's carve some pumpkins. That sounds like a great idea. So kids, carve the pumpkins. It's all great. It's all fine. But then they are forgotten about. They are left out somewhere. And then all of a sudden, what you carved doesn't look like what you originally carved. It, it reminds me, I think it's kind of what's gonna happen to all of our tattoos when we turn 85. It's like we started off, it's like, hey, that butterfly's gonna wind up looking like a turkey buzzard at some point. Like it's, it's not always gonna look the same, gravity. And so, but as a dad, like I, I, I've, it's like, man, th those pumpkins have been sitting out there for like five months, right? Thing is, when you go to clean up that pumpkin, you go to pick it up, your hands just go right through it. It's just, it's nasty. It's disgusting. And then it's all over you. It's just a bad deal. In life, we can certainly have some rotten things and we can produce some rotten fruit. And if you want to have better fruit, it's gonna come from staying connected to better roots. If you want better relationships, better thinking, better vision, better spiritual strength, it's all gonna be tied to your roots. In John 15, one through two, and then in verse five, it says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit. While other, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it can bear even more fruit. You know, I was talking to somebody that was over the agricultural uh, department of one of our schools. And he was saying, you know, when you're, when you're around plants enough, whether they're fruit bearing plants or otherwise, you can see these trees, see these plants, and you can note, uh, identify what he calls the suckers. And there are these branches that they're there. They don't look necessarily look horrible, but they're not gonna bear fruit and they're unhealthy. And all they do is they suck nutrients. They suck health away from the rest of the plant. And how many of y'all know we can have some things in our life that suck the life out of the health. Some of us have some people in our life that are suckers, that are just sucking the life away. And I think the Holy Spirit has to help us identify because until those things are removed, the rest of who we are, the health of who we are will be effective. But it also says that where you do bear fruit, God trims that too. It's like, God, I'm doing good. I'm trying to follow your will and your word. Why are you cutting on me? Why? Because he has even more for you in your life. He knows exactly what you need. And so those seasons are both important. It goes on in verse five. I am the vine. This is Jesus. You are the branches. 
If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Wow, that's a lot. Nothing. So a couple things about godly fruit in your life. First, fruit is visible. Fruit is visible. Spiritual fruit should be visible in your life. You're never gonna walk into Kroger, go to the produce department and walk around there thinking, I know they've got some secret fruit back in the back that they're hiding, that they're not gonna let me see. No, you're gonna see the fruit. You're gonna see what's in the produce department. If you go to the produce department, you're gonna see produce department. Sometimes I run into people and I talk to people and they're like, you may not be able to tell, but I really love Jesus. I'm a good person. I may not always look like I'm a Christian, but I'm a good person. That's the wrong thinking. Fruit is visible. Tony Evans said it this way. If you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Or would you be found innocent of all charges? I wanna live in such a way that there is not a shadow of a doubt that I'm a Christ follower. The fruit of my life should be so evident and so obvious to the world around me that there isn't even a question. And it's not circumstantial evidence, no, it's hardcore evidence that guy is guilty of being a Christ follower because the fruit should be obvious, it should be evident. Also, fruit doesn't exist for itself. The only fruit that eats itself is rotten fruit. Fruit exists so that someone else can enjoy it too. That's the reason why we produce fruit. Why does God want us to be exceedingly fruitful so that other people can benefit from the fruit of our life as well? That's the why. And if you get the why, it will motivate the how every time. And we're gonna talk about how do we have good roots? To have the right fruit, you gotta have the right roots. First of all, Roots must be planted. Psalm 92, 13. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. You see this plant up here. This is my daughter London's plant, one of her plants. Um, my wife is turning her into a plant lady, and that's fine, but this is one of her plants. But here's the thing about this plant. Uh, it can be in here for a while, and it's gonna look okay. It's gonna do all right. But the only way that this plant is truly gonna flourish and become what God created it to become is it's gotta be put in dirt. It's gotta be planted. As it is right now, it's incredibly vulnerable and susceptible. First of all, that water is gonna evaporate. You're gonna constantly have to put more water in there. But the other thing is this water is not gonna hold the nutrients that this plant's gonna need to do really well. It's only when it's surrounded and planted in the dirt that God intended for it to be planted in that it's going to have everything that it needs to grow. And in fact, all these roots, if you look at this, the only thing that's going to truly hold them together, if I start pulling on this, I would pull individual pieces and it would begin to destroy this plant. The only way that this thing is going to hold together is it's gotta be planted. It's gotta have ground that God has created for it to be put in. We've gotta be planted too. We've gotta be grounded. We've gotta make a decision at one point or another. This, this is where God has called me and I'm not moving from here. I'm gonna get planted so that I can bloom and grow and produce everything that God has for me. We know this about other areas in our life. 
Like it wouldn't be helpful or beneficial or healthy for us if we were moving around schools all the time. Like some of us, if you grew up in a military home, if you're like me, we were without a home for a while, so I had to go around to a bunch of different schools. It was hard. It, was, it wasn't great. It was a little bit of a vulnerability in my life. We, we wouldn't want to do that to our kids. We're just moving them all the time and, and making all this instability. We definitely don't do that with our jobs. Like if you're moving jobs every couple of months, your, your resume is going to not look great. You're going to sit down with somebody. So I see this last year, you, you, went, you, moved, you worked at seven different places. Okay, we'll call you, don't call us. Like it's not gonna work great because we know that that wouldn't be healthy with that. It's not healthy for our spiritual roots either. At one point or another, we have got to decide where am I gonna be planted? Where am I gonna find my roots? They've gotta be planted. No relationship can be sustained with that type of mentality where you're constantly moving around. My relationship with my wife wouldn't be strong if I just went to Cody and talked with her and then gave it a couple months and tried to pick up the conversation again, we would have no traction and I would be in a lot of trouble. Our relationship would be very weak. Well, it's the same thing with anything else. You will never have anything healthy if you have a every once in a while type mentality, here and there mentality. But our relationship, man, I want it to continue to look like what it looked like when we were dating. Like, I still date my wife. That's the perspective that I have. Like, I'm still crazy about this lady. But I remember, like, when we were dating, this is how the conversation would go. It wouldn't be every once in a while. We wouldn't talk every once in a while. We talk all the time. We go out on a date, spend all this time together, several hours together, talking together. And then we go our separate ways. Maybe I go work out for an hour, hour and a half. But then I'll be calling her back up. Hey, girl, what you been up to today? Yeah, I know it's only been an hour and a half, but, you know, a lot can happen in an hour and a half, especially when you're not around me. You know what I'm saying? How you doing? You know, and then you have those ridiculous conversations where you come to the end of it, and you're like, no, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. No, all right, I love you, bye. You're still there, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, no, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. You all did it. I think that's much closer to the kind of relationship that Jesus wants to have with us. When you're planted and you understand how much you need it, more like, Jesus, I just don't want to hang up. Can we just keep this conversation going? When you're grounded, when you're planted, when you're rooted, you want to hang out and stay in that place. It's healthy in that place. There's a big difference between attending and being planted. There's a big difference between visiting and being planted. When you're planted, you will flourish. And I asked my staff, like, who are some families that you guys can think of? It's like, man, they've just been planted. They're solid. And because of that, they're flourishing and they're helping other people flourish too. And honestly, there were too many names for me to even really talk through all of them. And I would never want to leave out anybody. But I think about people like the Knowles. And I think about people like the Williams and the Blairs and the Cokers and the Nashes. And these families, they're just solid. They're just here, they're planted and they're strong because of it. 
So I want to go back to John 15. I want to read this. This is in the NIV. And if you have this on, on, in your Bible, Bible asks whatever, I want, I want you to notice this word, starting in verse four, remain. Everybody say remain. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. The branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Remain, remain, remain. Okay, here's the thing. Anytime, especially in the original text, if something is mentioned twice, it's like an explanation point. Okay, this word remain in this particular translation is mentioned 10 times in seven verses. Jesus is pounding this subject home. In the New King James Version, it's the word abide, abide, remain, abide. Why? Because Jesus knows if we don't get our roots planted and grounded, then we don't produce what he intended for us to produce. We've gotta be planted. And here's the thing, when you understand this, when you understand what it's like being around the presence of God, when you understand what it's like being around the body of Christ, I think honestly your spirit instinctively knows and wants to hang out. Another word that I would say is loiter. You've seen those signs say no loitering. With Jesus, it's please loiter. Will you please hang out in my presence? This last Sunday night, to, to start off our week of prayer and fasting, we had a night of worship and we had baptisms. So we had 47 people that wind up getting baptized that night. 47 people went public with their faith. But what's cool is we only had 38, not only, but we had 38 people signed up. And then we had some people that as that service went and there was celebration and there was worship and there was a word and all these things. And the spirit was moving in the room. Other people felt this conviction and this prompt from the Holy Spirit. It's like, you know what? I need to get baptized too. I need to go public with my faith too. I'm ready to establish this covenant again or for the first time. What I noticed about that night, it was so much fun. It was, it was it, nobody, I, I didn't see anybody looking at their phones. I didn't see anybody looking at their watches. I didn't even see anybody looking at the time. Maybe a couple people visiting, you know, that were there to watch somebody get baptized with the, the people in our house. Man, they were just enjoying the presence of God. And what I noticed was after the service, people hung out. Some people way too long, like we're, like we're getting ready to turn the lights out on some of y'all people. Anybody grow up in a church where they flash the lights that indicate that it's time to go home? Okay, we're not gonna be that church, okay? But I loved it. I loved it because that's what it's like, man. When you're around the presence of God, you don't wanna leave it. And when it's manifesting through your brothers and sisters in Christ, there's nothing like it. We're created for it. God wants us to have that. I need nurtured roots. I need nurtured roots. I gotta be planted. I've gotta have roots that I'm taking care of. How many of you have a green thumb? Like anything plant life, you, you, it's gonna thrive under your care. Any green thumbs in the house? You, you're humble people. You don't raise your hand in church. Okay, all right, that's fine. Okay, thank you, thank you. Okay, just, just taking notes. Um, my wife, God bless her, used to kill every plant that we ever had. 
Like when we started off, like, you know, we had a love fern, she killed it, you know? I asked her, you gonna let our love die too? You know, I did, not really, that's a movie. It's a quote, sorry, I'll move on. She killed everything. Got her a cactus, she killed it. It's hard to kill a cactus, people. So for a long time, and it, and it helped me. It's like, no, we're not ready for kids. <laughs> no. But now she's a great mom and she's a plant lady. Like, we got like 56 plants in our house. Like, our house is starting to look like the botanical gardens. Like, it's lots of good oxygen in our home, okay? But she's just figured out, but she nurtures those plants. She's learned how each individual plant has to be taken care of, the time and attention that they need. In your life, your roots are gonna need attention. They're gonna be, need to be taken care of. A couple ways you do that. First of all, they gotta be protected. I find that we protect the things that are valuable to us. Last summer, we went on a road trip. We went to uh, DC and we went to the archives and saw the Constitution. How many of y'all know that's protected? Like it's under bulletproof glass in a titanium case under 24 hour surveillance. It's so valuable and so protected. They've actually started dimming the lights. It's dark in there because they were afraid the light was damaging the original print because it's protected. Some of y'all got a candy or chocolate stash at your home that you're not letting anybody know about because that is what is valuable to you. You are protecting that. You've been saving it all week because you've been fasting it and you're gonna go to town this afternoon. You're like, shut up, preacher boy. I got some fast breaking to do. I'm right there with you. I'm talking a little faster today. <laughs> you protect what you value. If everything in our life grows from the root, the root must be protected. And this is what the word says is our root. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart. That's our root. For everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths at your feet. Are steadfast on your ways or, or in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. So it's saying above all else, you guard your heart because that's where your roots are. But then it shows us areas that can create damage. It says corrupt talk. Keep your mouth from perverse talk. There are some conversations that you need to see yourself out of. You need to skip out on. Wandering eyes. Keep your sight set on Jesus. The race marked out for you. Don't let your eyes wander. If you keep your eyes right, in front of you, then you'll stay in God's plan, his purpose. And what I mean is just focus on the things that you know he wants you to focus on. If you don't, I promise you, your eyes will find other things to look at. And those things can create a tremendous amount of heartache, and hurt and damage and destruction in your life. Stay out of the wrong places. The Bible says, give careful thought to where your feet take you because you can end up in some places that can bring a lot of pain. Corrupt talk, wandering eyes, 
Stay out of the wrong places. Protect your roots. Also, your roots have to be watered. If you've ever been in a really arid place, I, I, I would imagine, I haven't been there, but we have a lot of military people. Anybody that's, I, I would assume, that gets deployed to like Djibouti or places like that, like those are dry, arid places. When you live in the South your whole life, you're, you're, you're just like a, like a walking sponge. There's so much humidity in the air, you don't realize like how much moisture until you go to a place that doesn't have it. And I think of places like the, the Great Sand Dunes in Colorado. Like Colorado's pretty dry, but then you have these sand dunes. It's, it's pretty incredible. It's at the base of the Sangre de Cristos and there's just these huge mountains of sand. And I'll tell you, it's like as soon as you start walking on these dunes, you can, you, like the moisture just gets sucked out of you, but you don't even realize it. You don't realize it. You don't realize how intense the sun is. You don't realize how dry and arid it is. It was the same thing happened to me when I was at the Grand Canyon and I hiked the Grand Canyon. I didn't have no water. Before I knew it, I was having some of the worst cramps I'd ever had before, like to where it, it was life-threatening. It was bad. And what I find is a lot of people don't realize as you're walking through life how much the world is drying you out. The Bible is actually called water. Like you are washed by the water, by the washing of the word of God. This waters you. And some of you may be thinking, well, that's great. And that's why I get a good sermon on Sunday. That's like a sprinkle. Like sometimes I might be up here and I'm like, I'm bringing the fire hose today, but sometimes it's more like a super soaker, but whatever it is, it's not enough. You need more than that. You gotta soak in the word of God. This has to be something that you are saturated on. It's something that you read. It's something that you memorize. It's something that you pray. It's something that you write about. It's something that you talk about. You let it soak into your spiritual roots. Get it in your heart. Get it in your heart. I've got this plant meter up here. This is my wife's because she's a plant lady. And this plant meter, it's got this thing that measures the water content of the soil and roots. Uh, how much light the plant is getting and the pH level of the soil because my wife is a geek, a lovely geek, a beautiful geek, but a geek nonetheless. And so she's going around and this is one of the ways that she takes care of her plant. She's like, okay, I know this plant needs the moisture content to be about this. They need this amount of sunlight, all right? The, the pH level, the acidity of the soil, what I feel like this represents in our life, this represents biblical community. When you invite people in or you seek out biblical community, what you're doing is you're giving permission to those people around you. I want you to be a meter of the spiritual health of the roots in my life. Because I may not always realize, because I got blind spots. I've got things that I don't even realize. I may not realize that I'm drying out. I'm drying out. I may not realize that I'm walking in a dark place that I don't need to be in. I might be adding some things to my life that might be good, but they're not God. And it's making my life acidic around the things of Jesus. I need people to every once in a while, give me a read. How am I doing? How's the spiritual health? You cannot do that by yourself. None of you are wise enough. None of you are smart enough. None of you are strong enough. Anybody who says that you are, you're wrong. You're wrong. You need people around you. 
You don't want to be like those and comparing themselves in and of themselves, they are found without wisdom. You need people around you. So many times what I see these days is I see people who keep making the same decisions over and over and over again. And then somebody comes and tries to give them some perspective and they ignore that perspective. And then somebody else comes along and gives them the same perspective and they ignore that perspective. There's a lot of people you're walking through seasons of cycles and brokenness and hardship and frustration because you don't realize you're the common denominator. Everyone's trying to help you. A wise lady said it this way, and you can read it up in the New King James or the King James Version if you want to, to translate this. If someone calls you a donkey, King James, you can read that. If someone calls you a donkey, maybe you can ignore it. If someone, if two people call you a donkey, you need to start taking notice. If three people call you a donkey, buy a saddle, you're a donkey. The reason why it's so important to have biblical community and people around you that's measuring the health of your spiritual roots is so that you never get to a place where you're acting like a donkey. You need people around you. That wasn't in my notes, that was for free. I'm not going to charge you for that one. I need connected roots. Connected roots. Some of you could sit down through this series and maybe get the sense that if you can be rooted, then it's all right for you to be by yourself alone. But God has always designed you to be rooted with others. And Hebrews 10, 24 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day, that's Christ's return. That's the day. And it is approaching, people. And I don't care if it's seven years, 10 years, 20 years. It's a vapor. It's a breath. We need each other more now than we've ever needed each other before. No doubt. Some of you might have seen that these massive storms hitting California and, and all up and down the state, these huge storms in Northern California, wind storms and rainstorms. And one of the things that somebody made note of is these coastal redwood trees that are right, like the storm's hitting them hard and they're faring just fine. Like they're, they're, they're able to stand up. These, these trees are a couple hundred feet tall and, and, up, and thousands of years old, some of them. And the reason why is because as a, as a redwood grows, it begins to intermingle its root system with all the other trees around it. It grows down and around each other so that no matter what comes, it's not just its own roots that's holding it up, it's the roots of the trees around it. There will come storms and seasons in your life that if you are not connected in your roots to the body of Christ, you're gonna fall. You're gonna get blown over. If you watch National Geographic, what you'll notice is most of creation emulates the way that God created us as humans. Like almost every other creature moves in groups, moves in herds, flocks, hives, whatever. And if you're ever watching National Geographic, it's that knot-headed wildebeest that's off by itself that they're gonna do the episode about how lions eat. 
And if you look really close to that wildebeest, you'll know that it's a young wildebeest with AirPods in looking at its phone. Like it, it does, it's, there's no concept about the dangers that are happening around it. And it's by itself. That's when you're susceptible. That's when the enemy will pick you off. He is seeking whom he can devour. Harvard did a study. They started with 724 men and did a study over 85 years, three generations, over 1,300 descendants of these original 724 men. And here's what their conclusion was about the study. Close personal connections are significant enough that if all 85 years of the Harvard study were boiled down to a single principle for living, it is this. Good relationships keep us healthier and happier. If you want to make one decision to ensure your health and happiness, it should be to cultivate warm relationships with all kinds. That's a secular study, okay? So even the world can see, man, there's, there's something to this. I'll tell you what, it's a whole other level when you add in the power of the Holy Spirit, the standard of the word of God, and the community of the body of believers. That is the church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. The gates of hell can prevail against an individual. I don't care if they're the strongest Christian living on planet earth. The gates of hell can prevail against an individual, but the gates of hell cannot prevail against the body of believers that's together. That's what we've got to have. That's what we've got to have. In California and other places, even here in Arkansas, you can see vineyards, great vineyards. And grapes are one of the things that the word talks about a lot when it's referring to fruit. And specifically, John 15, that's what it's talking about. Talking about this vine and the branches. So this is how they're structured. They're, there's this, this thing that props them up and then they're connected by wire. And the reason why is because grapes can't grow in the dirt. They've gotta be lifted up. They gotta be lifted up. The only way they can grow, they gotta be lifted up so the sun can get to them. It's the same thing in our life. When you're committed to biblical community, weekly, even daily, there's gonna be people that are gonna help lift you out of the dirt that you're dealing with that day. And they're gonna help remind you where the sun is. They're gonna help get you closer to who he is. And if you will... Allow yourself to do that, you're gonna produce much fruit. God's got a lot in you that he wants to do, but he's got a lot through you that he wants to do too. And what I find, like I mentioned earlier, the only fruit that eats itself is rotten fruit. A lot of times what happens is fruit just gets overripe. We've all done this. Like you buy something like, yeah, that's healthy. I need to get that. I need to get those blackberries. And then they sit in your fridge for a little too long right? You take them out, there's like a little bit of mold growing on. Some of y'all just scrape that mold off and eat them anyway, and me and the Lord have a problem with that, okay? But, but the reason why is they just sat there too long. It was good, but it sat and it didn't benefit others. Some of the issue is God has put some things inside of you, but you have not been faithful to use those things that he's placed inside of you to benefit the body of Christ. And it's starting to rot. I just wanna let you know you need us and we need you. 
Next week's going to be our life group launch. This is not just a gimmick for us. This is not a program. This is not something that we came up with. It's not our idea. It's what Jesus did. It's the early church. It's the model that we've been given. And every time we have life groups and even throughout each semester, I beg and I plead with people to get connected to biblical community. And some don't. I'm thankful to see that so many do. We are in a healthier place as a church than we have ever been before. And the reason why is because there are more people in biblical community growing and being discipled than we have ever had before. But if you're wondering or you're thinking, I'm good. No, you're not. No, you're not, friend. You need the body of Christ. The body of Christ needs you. There are things that the Lord has placed inside of you that people around you need. And there are some things that other people have that are gonna nurture your roots, help you stay healthy or help you get healthy. And if you are willing to put yourself out there and be vulnerable and humble and honest, by the way, biblical community doesn't work with liars. If you're gonna fake it, it's not gonna work. But if you can be real and you can be honest and you can be teachable, being connected to the body of Christ and biblical community will be the most fulfilling experience you've ever had in your life. I promise you. Thus saith the Lord, amen. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. In order for you to be connected to the vine, that's Jesus. You have to accept relationship with him. That's the only way. The Bible clearly says the only way to the Father is through the Son, it's Jesus. And to have a connection with Jesus, it's recognizing that you're a sinner. You need a savior. It's you believing that Jesus came, he paid the price on the cross so that you could be made whole. And I would just guess that there's at least a couple people here right now that if you're honest, you do not feel connected to the vine. You don't feel connected to Jesus. You don't feel like you have a genuine relationship with the Lord or no relationship at all. And that may be because you've just never accepted him. You've never accepted what he did on the cross for you. You've never accepted the free gift of salvation. It may be that you feel like you did at some point, but you let your roots get bitter. You let your roots get unhealthy. It damaged your connection. And right now you feel distant from him. And either way, I wanna give you an opportunity to respond to the Holy Spirit. I want you to be able to leave this place with, with a, a sense of hope, a sense of confidence, not because of who you are, but because of who he is and what he did. And I wanna give you an opportunity to enter into a relationship with Jesus.
And so sitting around you right now, there's Christians and they're gonna be praying and they are praying for you right now because they understand how important this decision is. But you don't need to worry about anybody else that's around you. This is about you, it's about your eternity. It's about a genuine and real relationship that the Lord wants to have with you. He wants you to be transformed. He wants you to be restored. He wants you to be made whole. He wants you to have life and life to the full. If you're here and you recognize, I need that, I'm away from that, I'm disconnected from that. If you're willing to confess that just as a sign of you being humble and willing, would you put your hand up right now across this room? You'd say, I need Jesus, I'm away from him. As soon as I see your hand, let's make eye contact and you can put your hand down, thank you. I got you, thank you. I need Jesus, I'm ready to call on him, thank you. Yes, sir, thank you. Anyone else? I need Jesus, I'm ready to call on him as my Lord and Savior, thank you guys, thank you. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Maybe somebody wrestling with the decision. It's like, I don't know. I mean, if I do, what if somebody does see? I don't want to be embarrassed. And, or you're just being stubborn. Break through that. Break through that right now. Don't leave this place without being honest, without being real. The Lord already knows. I promise you, the second you put your hand up, you're going to feel his grace hit your life. Okay. Anyone else? I need Jesus. I'm ready to call on him. Thank you, brother. Got you. Anyone else? I need Jesus. I'm ready to surrender to him as my Lord and Savior. Got it. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay. For everybody that just raised your hand, you raise your hands, not what gets you saved. But I know that as soon as you did that, it released faith inside of you. You felt like this channel just opened up, like your heart was opened up. And let's respond right now. We're just gonna pray. I'd encourage you at some point, you need to go public with this decision. And a great way to do that is through water baptism. But tell somebody when the service is over, hey, I. I made a decision to follow Jesus. I surrendered my life completely to Jesus today. Tell him. But right there, let's just talk to the Lord. Say something like this. Say, Jesus, I need you because I'm a sinner. And I recognize that I can't save myself. I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm not smart enough. I, I've made more mistakes than I can count. I need you, Jesus. I confess that I'm a sinner and I ask for you to forgive me of my sin. And I believe, Jesus, that not only did you die on the cross, but you rose from the grave. When you rose from the grave, you defeated death and you defeated sin so I can have the hope of heaven. Someday I'm gonna spend eternity with you, but also so that I can live now the purpose that you've given me. But I know the only way I can do that is if I'm totally surrendered to who I am in you. And so right now, I confess you, Jesus, as the Lord of my life. I want you to have control. I know I can't live the way I've always lived. I, I, I'm not 
I'm not the Lord of my life. You are. And the only way that that can happen is I have to, I have to turn. I have to turn away from living for myself. I've got to turn away from the standards of this world and I've got to turn towards you. And I do that. I surrender to you, Jesus. Take my life. I thank you that as I'm doing that, you're gonna give me purpose. You're gonna give me direction. You're gonna lead me by your spirit. You're gonna help me to understand and fall in love with your word. You're gonna help me be connected with your bride, with the body of Christ. I want all those things. Father, I thank you for everybody that just said that prayer. Help us to come alongside of them as a church and disciple them and encourage them and challenge them so they can become everything that you've created them to be. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.